KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim. www.kimitzion.org Having a new week. Today is Monday. As on every Monday, today's shiur will be the shiur in the mitzvah HaShavuit, the weekly mitzvah, Harav Binyamin Tavori. This week we read two parashiyot, Parashat Bahar and Parashat Bechukotai. Parashat Bahar begins with the laws of Shemitah, which are applicable either Midarabonan, Midaraisan this coming year. But the main thrust of the parasha seems to be economic laws, all kinds of different types of economic laws, which almost take up one entire perek, perek chafei, of Ayikra. Rashi, at the end of the parasha, has a brilliant explanation to explain the order of the parasha. Generally, we all know the Rashi in the beginning of the parasha. Many people don't get to the end. So the end of the parasha, this Rashi is extremely important. Rashi said, the Torah shows the gradual decline of a person's economic state. For example, the Torah told us in the beginning that a person should keep Shemitah. Now, you might think, the Torah says, that this will lead to economic problems. And the Torah says, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises that he will worry, he will take care of the produce, that people will have enough to eat during the year of Shemitah and what's necessary afterwards. But the Torah then goes on to say, and if a person should borrow money, a person should sell his, his, his items, a person should sell his estate, a person should sell his, his basic estate, a person should sell himself to be a slave. And Rashi said, you see, this is the threat of the Torah. What will happen if a person does not follow the laws of the Torah, and then his economic situation will deteriorate? In a way that first he will borrow money, then he will have to um, sell things, then sell more valuable things, and finally sell himself. And the final degradation is not only will he sell himself, he'll sell himself to a non-Jew. Among these laws of the Torah, of the economic threat, as it were, to a person who does not keep the laws of Shemitah, is included the laws of Rebit, the laws of charging interest or usury. Now, we know that according to the mitzvah of the Torah, we should lend money to our brothers, to our nation, to our friends, without interest. Perhaps this all, we will all recall the words of the Rambam in Hilchos Matnos Aniyim, the laws of the, regarding tzedakah. The Rambam says there are different types of tzedakah, there are different ways of giving tzedakah. One of the highest levels of giving tzedakah is to give a person a way to avoid taking tzedakah. A person who is indigent and needs right now to eat or whatever necessities he must have, the, you could tell him that he has to go beg now. But there could be a way of avoiding that by lending him money without interest and allowing him somehow to get on his feet economically. This, according to the Rambam, is one of the highest madrakas of tzedakah it's really a type of stalker to give to lend money without ribit as a way of 
enabling people to get back on their feet, as it were. The issue that I'd like to discuss today is the laws of after a person charged rebeat, he certainly did something that is halachically improper and perhaps invalid. Nevertheless, I'd like to discuss what would happen do you have to return the rebeat. I Simply case, I lent somebody $100, I charged him 5% interest, a year later he came back and gave me $105, I collected the money, do I have to return it apidin? Am I required to do hachzoras ribis, to return it? There is a Gemara about this in Bav Metziah, Dav Samech Beis. The, the Gemara is in the fifth parak of Bav Metziah, Ezel Neshech. I had the privilege of learning that parak with Rav Aaron Salavechik. I was in his shir when we learned Ezel Neshech many, many years ago. In the introduction to the shir, Rav Aaron mentioned in the name of, I think, his father, that they thought this was the most difficult parak in the entire Shas. Ezel Neshech, very difficult parak. And there's a whole sugya there, whether a person really has to return, rebeat. We will not deal with the Gemara and the Machlokas we've shown in completely on that page, but we'll try to go for the Psak Halacha in order to fit within our time constraints. The Rambam in Hilchas Malva Velove, Peregdal and Halacha Gimel, Paskins that it's a lav shenitan lehishavon. This is a lav which is given to be returned. And then he says, Shekol ha-malve beribit, anyone who does indeed lend someone money with interest, im ha-ita ribit ketsutza, shi-asuram torah if we're referring to the normal case of ribit, which was predetermined, they when the loan took place, they made terms what interest should be paid, ha Yotza Bedayonim. This is legally to be returned. Malve. We will take away the money from the Malve. And we would return it to the Lover. So the Ramapaskind, according to the opinion in the Gemara, that we do return the money. It's a Lavanitan Neshavon. It seems to me that all the postkim agreed that this is the Accepted psak that a lova beribit, a malva beribit, must pay the money back. The Rambam uses this halacha to explain why there are no malkot. A person who did a lav, a person who did one of the one of the isurim of the Torah, a lav. So generally, in most cases, in many cases, let's say, a person would get malkos. And so there are certain exceptions to the rule. One of them is a lav hanitak la'asei, or a lav hanitan la'tashlumim. A lav hanitak la'asei is a lav which can be corrected, or which should be somehow corrected by fixing it, by fulfilling a mitzvah sa'asei. For example, the Torah said... Uh, that uh, by Gzela is one of the best examples. The Torah says, no tigzol, and the Torah says, gzela gazal. The Torah told me not to do Gzela. But the Torah also said, gzela. The Torah told me to return Gzela. So that's Lafanita Glasei. There's a Lafanita the Tashlumim, where there's no mitzvah directly, like Veheshivat Gzela. It doesn't say, for example, here, Veheshivat Ribit. 
But the Torah says, or we could figure out, we could understand that this lot could be somehow rectified by repaying the money. In that case, when there's a lav anitan letashlumim, you don't get malkos. So the Rambam here in this halacha, and as I said in Hilchos Malva Velove Peregdal and Halacha Gimel, the Rambam says the Malva does not get malkos because it's a lav anitan letashlumim, a lav anitan leheshavon. Interestingly enough, the Rambam says not only does the Malva not get malkos, the Lava doesn't get malkos. Now that means. If I borrowed money from someone, I paid ribis. I am also involved in the Easter. The Easter is not just to lend money ribis, it's to borrow money ribis, even though I'm stuck. And, and I, I have no other choice. There is an Easter. There's a prohibition against borrowing money beribit. So theoretically, both the Malva and the Lava should get Malkos. But the Malva has a, has a, not only an option, but a requirement to pay back the money. And therefore, it's a lavanitan tashlumim, and he doesn't get malkos. The love, the love has no choice. He's paid the money. It's not up to him if he's going to get the money back. He's done the Easter. Why shouldn't he get malkos? The gra quoted in the edition of Reb Shabtai Frankel's Rambam. So the gra on the spot says, "Kasha ha'alove over v'loshayach nitan leishavon mikama kamein lokim." The love doesn't get malkos either. We must either disagree and say the lover would get Malkos, or we would have to find another reason why the Easter of Ribis does not have Malkos in the first place. But how could it be that the lover doesn't get Malkos because it's a Nitan Leheshavon? There's no Nitan Leheshavon for the lover. The generally accepted understanding is that it's true that the Malva and Lover both are involved in the Easter of Ribis. But who really bears the brunt of this Easter? Who do we look at more askance for doing this Easter? The Malva or the Lova? The Malva is a person who's taking advantage of a situation where he has money. The Lova does not have money, and he's using this as a way of increasing his own capital. The Lova is Nebuch, is a miskain. The Lova needs money. He really would prefer money, borrowing the money without interest, obviously, but he can't do it for whatever reason. He can't get the money, so he's stuck. So he therefore borrowed money and paid rebeat. The argument would be, is it fair that the Malkot the, should not apply to the Malva? The Malva is exempt from Malkos. Why? Because theoretically he has the option of giving back the money. But we would say the Lova, who we don't look at as as badly as we would look at the Malva, the lover would get Malkus and the Malva wouldn't. It seems that the Easter is basically on the Malva and the Lova is also included. If that's true, Malkus could not apply to the Lova if they wouldn't apply to the Malva. Be that as it may, the Rambam Paskind, and I said before, I think most Rishonim, I think all the Paskind, have said that Ribit is Nitan Leishavah. And Yotza B'dayonim means that in court we would try to coerce the person to return the money. The only question that we really have to determine is why is this true? Why do we really require the person to pay back the money? As I said before by Gzela, the Torah says, Veshev is The Torah told me, if a person even finds something on the street, there's a mitzvah of to return something. 
But why is there a, a, a chiyuv? Why is there an obligation to return, repeat? The person, it's true, did an Easter, but is there a, an obligation to return it? The Ramban in Sefer HaMitzvahs has a section at the end of Sefer HaMitzvahs where he lists off mitzvahs that the Rambam forgot. He uses the word sheshachach, who for, he forgot. We, of course, assume the Ram didn't forget these mitzvahs, but the Ram had a reason not to count these mitzvahs. Of course, it's famous that the one classic example that all the religious Zionists discuss is that the Rambam does not count the mitzvah of Yishuv Yisrael. The Rambam does count that as a mitzvah, but sometimes we should pay attention to the other mitzvahs as well that are listed there in the in the list of the Ramban, that mitzv- that the Rambam did not count, and the Ramban feels they should be counted. One of those mitzvahs, mitzvah 17, mitzvah Yud Zayin, is the Ramban says, The Ramban says, it's a separate mitzvah saseh. We are commanded to return ribit, because the Torah said, don't take usury, don't take interest, your brother should live with you. Afford him a chance to live. Afford him a chance to exist. Afford him the economic necessities that he needs without charging him rebeat. So, if you did charge him rebeat, doesn't apply anymore. The idea of giving him life, giving him economic status, giving him economic possibilities, doesn't exist. So he should be accounted as a mitzvah saseh. So one thing is clear. The Ramban thought there is a separate mitzvah, a separate obligation in the Torah, which requires us to return the rebit. Rebit, in this opinion, I would assume, is not subsumed under the Isra of Gzela. Rebit is not Gzela. And there's a basic difference between Gzela and Rebit. In, in Gzela, I take away something from a person without his consent. He never would agree to Gzela. To Rebit, it's true that I'm not allowed to charge him. But if I do, and he agreed, then it's not Gzela. I didn't do it with against his will. I did it with some sort of perhaps what we would call economic coercion. He needed the money and I somehow coerced him. But it's not the same as taking away something that he didn't give me. He gave me the money, as it were, we could call it voluntarily. It's obviously not so voluntarily. But he gave me the money. So it's not, according to the Rabban, probably, it's not subsumed under the Easter of Gezela. It's a separate Easter called Rebit. And therefore, you need a separate mitzvah saseh to return the Rebit. Interestingly enough, would this mean that any case where a person has somebody else's money that he gave him with his own, under his own volition, of course, there was some coercion involved, but in a place where the Torah would forbid such an action, would that mean automatically that you'd have to return it? And the question would come up in the case of Shochad. The Torah said, you're not allowed to take shochat. The Easter of shochat, the Easter of bribery, applies as well to the judge who takes the bribery and as well to the person who gives the bribery. Shochat is the Easter Daraisa. Let's say someone did take shochat. Would there be a mitzvah to return it? This has no sense v'chei achicha imach attached to it. Could we somehow say 
that the mitzvah of imach, which the Ramban uses as the obligation to give back repeat, might apply to Shochad as well. The Ketzot raised this issue, the Sefer Ketzot HaChoshin raised this issue by Shochad, and to the best of my knowledge, he had no basic sources to prove the point. It's an interesting question. But the basic line that we've learned now is that the Ramban does call it a separate mitzvah saseh. There's a separate mitzvah of Vecheyach Why did the Ramban Why did the Ramban count it? And why did the Rambam not count it? The, it seems that the phrase V'cheyach would support the Ramban that is a separate mitzvah say. One of the classic commentaries on the Sefer Mitzvahs of the Rambam, it's called Megillas Esther, explained that this is indeed, according to the Rambam, to be subsumed under the category of Gezela. There is a mitzvah to return Gezela, and the same way there's a mitzvah to return Gezela, there's a mitzvah to return Ribit. The distinction that we've made between Gezela, when I took the money completely against his will, and Ribit, when I took the money with his consent, albeit under some sort of economic coercion, but not that I forcefully came and took something away from him. Nevertheless, the Megillat Aster thought the Rambam thought this was called Hashavas Gezela. The Minchas Chinuch raised, it seems to me, excellent questions against this opinion. For example, there's a law that the Yoshim, the inheritors, do not have to return rebeat. Gezela, it seems they do have to return. So somehow you would seem, it would seem that there are two different dinim. The, the mitzvah of Hashavaz Gezela is a mitzvah that would apply to the Yarshim as well. But apparently, whatever we would call it, the obligation to return repeat would not go to the Yarshim. He also quotes an interesting opinion that there is a distinction between Gezela and Ribit, although he agrees, not everybody agrees to this distinction, but nevertheless there is an interesting distinction. Gezela, if someone steals something from somebody, obviously the Gazlan, the one who perpetrated the act of Gazela, must return the thing or the money involved. Let's say that I don't even know that someone stole something from me. I don't know who it was. But obviously the mitzvah applies. And if I don't come to him and demand him to return it, Perhaps I don't even know about it. Perhaps I'm afraid to ask him. He's a goslin. I'm afraid to go to him and ask him to return it. Nevertheless, the obligation is clear. The Minchas Chinuch says, but there is a machlokas, there is a controversy, whether the law of Hashavah's ribis, this law that we're talking about of returning ribis, it applies in a case where the person doesn't ask for it. In most cases of ribit, the way somehow the world works today, we won't discuss the heterim of ribis. Let's assume that there is no heter. But, and the person really borrowed money by ribis, so at the end, he doesn't generally ask for his money back. He knows he gave it of his own will, and he might be upset, but he's not going to demand the money back. There are some opinions that if he doesn't ask for the money back, you don't have to give it back to him. The 
Minchas Chinuch said this obviously shows that it's not the same as Gezela. Gezela has to be returned in any case. Therefore, the Minchas Chinuch concludes, I really do understand the opinion of the Ramban, that it's a mitzvah by itself. It's a separate mitzvah. It's not just subsumed under Gezela, but it's a separate Iser. Perhaps we could say that the mitzvah of returning the object of returning ribis is really inherently a mitzvah different, completely different than the isa, the mitzvah of returning zela, which would probably strengthen the argument of the Ramban. You see that when a person steals money, so in effect, the money still belongs to the original person. There is a very interesting opinion of the Yireim. Rebeleza Mimitz said that even according to the opinion that you're allowed to steal money from a, a guy, even from the opinion that we're allowed to steal money from non-Jews, it doesn't become your money. A person who would steal money from a non-Jew, perhaps there's no Easter involved, but it's not yours. It still belongs to him. By Gezela, the thing that you stole belongs to him. And if somehow the thing doesn't exist anymore, so the concept that we use the phrase is Mamoni Gabach. The person from whom the object was stolen has money at the house of the Gazlan. The Gazlan really does have money that belongs to the Nigzal. By Ribit, it doesn't seem to be that way. By Ribit, it seems to be that there is a Chiyuv, if you'd like, we'd call it a Musari Chiyuv, an ethical obligation, perhaps based on Vecheyachichamach, but not a monetary obligation. I'd like to quote in this in this uh, realm two sources. The Ritva in Bav Metzia, on that sugya of returning of returning Ribit, the Ritva has a very interesting phrase. A person is not allowed to lend money beribit. The Torah says, Lotus Simun Alav Neshech. Don't place a, a debt. Don't incur a debt, don't create a debt which has interest. That Isur seems to be an Isur that you can't fix. I did place the debt. It's true that I can return the money, but the Isur of Lotus Simun, I do not correct. Says the Ritva, Kol Shegavu Kvar, if the money had already been collected, you can't fix the love as it were. If the Torah says lo tigzol and a person returns it, so in effect he didn't do lo tigzol. But the, since the Easter of lo tesimuna lav neshech, don't place, don't create the chov, he says, you can't really fix it. But here's the phrase. The Torah tells us to regurgitate what a person ate. You ate something that you shouldn't have eaten. You should get rid of it. That phrase implies 
that it's not a mamoni gabach, it's not a question that by rebeat, the money actually belongs to the original borrower. The money really belongs to the to the person who collected the rebeat. But nevertheless, the Torah told me, According to the Ramban, it's clear, there's a mitzvah to return it. The mitzvah is not necessarily true because the money really belongs to him. It really could belong to the bar, to the person who charged the rebeat. Nevertheless, this would help us to understand the famous question of the Ktsot HaChoshen. In the in Siman Lamitet, Sif Aleph, the Ktsot asks, why is it that there is a distinction in law between the laws of rebeat as opposed to the laws of both Gezela and Tzedakah. Now, somehow, if you would place the laws of Gezela, Tzedakah, and Ribit in one category, we would probably say, no, no, they're, two, they're obviously more than one category. Perhaps we would say that Gezela is one category, and Tzedakah and Ribit are another category. Or perhaps we could say Gezela goes with Ribit, as opposed to Tzedakah. But the halacha in question that the Ktsot raised is that we say that paying a Balchov is a mitzvah. The Gemara in Ksubis says, the Gemara says that a person, according to one opinion of the Gemara, priyas Balchov mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to, to repay your debts. And the Gemara says, of course, by tzedakah, that's a mitzvah. So in that respect, well, I mentioned gzela before, but I really mean paying back debts. Priyas Balchov. Priyas Balchov and tzedakah, and of course gzela would be at least that much. But both by Priyas Balchov and by tzedakah, and I assumed, of course, by gzela would be the same, Yardim We would take away his possessions. And the, in order for him to give the amount of stucker that we think is proper, in order for him to repay his debts, Bezdin would actually coerce him by going to the property, taking away his estate, and giving it to the person in question. Mishum mitzvah. Because of the obligation of, of fulfilling the mitzvah. Of course, for Gzela, it goes without saying that we would force it. The Ksos goes on. However, by the law of Ribit, even this Ribit of the Torah, the Ribit Ketzutzah, the Ribit that was predetermined, they made an actual contract, they did all the Isurim involved, Adim, the, 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 everybody's involved in the Isur. It says in the Shulchan Aruch, We would coerce him. We would physically coerce him. Physically coerce him is we would indeed put him to the lash in order to coerce him to return. But we wouldn't take away his property. The, the Ksos's question is, why is it that Ribis, we don't go down to his Nechasim, and yet by Tzedakah, 
and by Milt Priyas Bachov, which are both mitzvahs, so we would actually go down and take the Nechassim. The Chinuch, the, the Sefer Chinuch does quote a Machlokas in this regard, in that mitzvah of Ribis, mitzvah Shinmen Gimel, the Ribit, the, the uh, Chinuch says, and the Chinuch says there are people who think that you go down and take away his property as you would do by Tzedakah, as you would do by Priyas Pachov, as you would do by Gzela, as you would do by someone who damaged someone else. Or, says the Chinuch, but some people think that we only coerce him physically, but we don't go down to Nechassim. So the Ksot really asks the question, why is it that according to some opinions at least, we would not take away his estate? Isn't there a mitzvah of Eshev of V'cheyach like there's a mitzvah of Eshev The answer we would suggest is to understand the nature of the law of Ribit and the nature of both Tzedakah and all the other categories involved. If we would not have Tzedakah here, I would certainly say that there's a distinction between Ribit and all kinds of laws like Gezela, like Priyas Bachov. Gezela and Priyas Bachov are primarily Dine Mamonos. They're laws to, do, to deal with money. It's obviously wrong to steal, but the basic right to a person of his own money is a question of monetary value, of pure economics, and therefore, you're not allowed to steal. Whereas in Rebeat, it seems, I would say the, I might say the opposite. Rebeat, economically, perhaps makes sense. They both agree to it. There is no idea that I'm taking away something that really belongs to someone else, but nevertheless, the Torah placed an Easter on it. By Tzedakah, We've said before in the Shi'ur that by Tzedakah there might be a Chiyuv of Shibud Nechassim. The Torah said that Tzedakah indeed does have Shibud Nechassim. My estate is indebted for Tzedakah. Because somehow we look at it as an obligation, a religious obligation, yes, but an economic obligation to give Tzedakah. The point has been made and is well taken. If we look in the Shulchan Aruch for the laws of Gezela, we'll certainly find them in the Shulchan Aruch Hoshen Mishpat. The Shulchan Aruch that deals with the laws of money has in it the laws of of Gezela, of borrowing money. The laws of Rebit in the Shulchan Aruch are found in Yeridea. The laws of interest are not found in Choshemish, but they're not found in the Shulchan Aruch that deals with monetary issues, but it deals with, it's, they're found in the laws of Shulchan Aruch, Yaradeya, which deals with the laws of Isavatar, of things that are permitted and not permitted. So therefore it seems that the law of Rebit is not a Choshen Mishpat Halacha, it's a Yaradeya Halacha. Therefore, you can't say that my Nechassim are obligated, you can't say that Shibut Nechassim in in stuck in in Ribit. Even though we might say that in Staka there's Shibut Nechassim, but there's no Shibut Nechassim in in Ribit. Of course, this would explain the problem of the of the Ktsos. The bottom line is that we've worked with the Ramban that there's a separate mitzvah say to return Ribit. It's not. 
to be considered part of Gzela, and therefore we would really have to understand why the Rambam omitted this mitzvah, but according to Ramban, it's a separate mitzvah sa'aseh, and perhaps it's a mitzvah that has really no basic connection with the monetary laws, but it's a mitzvah like any other mitzvah that we'll find in Yeridaya. And we might find that phrase that I quoted before, that a person should refrain from something that he did as going away, regurgitating something that he did improperly. The mitzvah is to lend people money without rebeat. HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises us for mitzvahs, no, nothing will go bad. This is the entire gamut of the parsha that we started before, and the Torah ends with at Hashem. One of the brilliant comments on this at Shabtotaitishmaru means it reverts back to the original part of Parshat Bahar. At Shabtotaitishmaru, according to one interpretation, refers to Shemitah. The same way the Torah began with Shemitah, the Torah told me what would happen if you don't keep Shemitah, and therefore the Torah ends at Shabtotai Tishmaru, therefore it's a very good idea to keep Shemitah, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu's bracha will apply to all those that keep mitzvahs properly.